this is our. This, we're recording this on the anniversary of our first show release. Twelve months ago. Happy birthday! Day. Almost today, right? Happy yeah, birthday exactly to today. you. It's exciting. Um, and, and we've got a really big episode coming up. We've got James from the Crafty Pint on. So, look, we don't want to make it dumb. No mucking around. We don't want to make any dumb No rubbish. Start. No serial yeah. podcast intro or anything like that. Yeah, We're just going to be going straight to it. Serious stuff. No mucking around. <laughs> Morning, Dave. Good morning. We're back in the morning. Mm. Uh, let's welcome our guest straight off the top, James from the Crafty Pint. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's great. Thank you for great, coming in. Great so to find we're me. only nine months late. Yeah, well, we did have the brief New Zealand discussion. We did. Which, the haze of Beervana, which I actually kind of forgot about, and then went, oh, hang on. I've yeah, in which I inhaled a, a burger yes. mid-podcasting <laughs> about three seconds. <laughs> kind of like that, though, right? Yes, yeah. A lot of fun. Now, let's firstly, let's talk about the beer that we've, we've got in our hands. James, you brought this on along for us. Do you want to shout out what it is? Yeah, I think you said don't bring a beer, and then I realised that uh, I bit, had, had this dropped off by um, one of the guys from Modus Operandi a little over a week ago, so I thought we'd best crack into it. So, um yeah, these guys, obviously, um, um, people, I guess, will be aware that they're three or four months old and, yeah, took out pretty much every trophy at the, the first Craft Beer Awards. So they were down in uh, Melbourne recently and um, did a bit of a tap takeover at the Tap House and, and then Grant popped over to my house and dropped off a couple of what they call their cannibals, their mm. one-litre in-house sort of growler-type um, can affairs. So I, was like, I hadn't had an opportunity to share it with anyone because I've been in my own little bubble for the last couple of weeks. So I thought <laughs> some, some people would appreciate it. So we, we do appreciate it. So cream ale, it's kind of a US style, isn't it? The cream ale. Yeah, and this and this is I think is their, I guess their take on their, um, I guess their entry level beer or whatever you want to call it. I know you know there's been debate around this entry level gateway mm. kind of, but it's, you know it's, it, it's their, I guess their sort of their their main coffer, mm. um, and it's you know it's it's got a. Bit of sweetness. It finishes pretty dry, though. It's, mm. you know. it's got a good mouthfeel, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, well, you, uh, I imagine Dave, this is the kind of beer you're enjoying at the moment. Absolutely, right? especially given I rode up the hill at Lennox Street to uh, get here, so a little bit puffed. So this is going down very nicely. Well, I was puffed just walking up the 15 stairs <laughs> to the studio, so that's very impressive. Yeah, this is really nice. This is the kind of beer that shows that you don't, you know, you can just make a good beer. People are still going to enjoy it. Um, the Garage Project one, mm-hmm. the Garage Project beer, I think, is another example where. Just make a, a really nice beer and people are going to love it. Yeah. Well, um, I was chatting to um, Michael Brooks, Brooksy, the head brewer at um, Bootleg yesterday or the day before. Um, it's their, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary as you celebrate your first birthday. <laughs> um, so it puts things in perspective. But um, he's whenever I've spoken to him in the past, he's always gone on about how he just loves West Coast IPAs. And finally, last year, or maybe earlier this year, he made his first sort of West Coast IPA. But he then took a couple of months off drinking um, other than sort of sampling at the brewery. And says now that he's come back, he's actually drinking a lot more, um, I guess, you know, less punchy beers and appreciating them a lot more because he feels like his palate's reset. So they've just mm. done a, a gold nail to mark their anniversary, big hoppy gold nail. So, yeah, it, I think there is that sort of people. Yeah, I think waves it's a sort of cyclical sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But definitely this is right in my uh, zone, in my strike zone at the moment. Now, we'll moving to some news. There's been a lot of news this week or last two weeks uh, about 
brewery movement from the, the mm-hmm. big guys. Matilda Bay, I don't know if, uh, I'm assuming most people will be aware of this, but we'll recap briefly. Uh, Matilda Bay are moving out of their home in Port Melbourne to be brewed in Tassie at the Cascade Brewery. And White Rabbit are moving out of their home in Hillsville mm-hmm. to um, come under the wing of Little Creatures. Are they... Am I right in saying they're opening a little separate brewery as part of the Little Creatures operation? And that's Geelong? the story. Yeah, they've got. I think there was still when they first opened in Geelong with the Hospo and the brewery. There was still two of the big warehouses were were still empty, and they talked about whether there'd be art galleries or what they were going to do with it. So I'm assuming they're going to create a separate base for White Rabbit in one of those. Whether it's the existing brewery going down, I can't imagine it would be if mm. the whole idea is to expand capacity. Mm. So whether that brewery comes onto the market... Because it's a huge space at that site in July. Yeah, so yeah. Um, and they're, well, they're, you know, they're putting a hop garden in and, you know, just all, it's an amazing space. You understand what they're doing. So not too sure what's going to happen with the the old creatures brewery that's at White Rabbit, though. Yeah, that's... Um, there might be a good opportunity there for someone to take it take yeah. it in. I would have thought so. That's a great space. I've got a bit of space on my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> the next iteration of Crafty Pines, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a bit of a shame for Hillsville. Um, I think I've, I only visited once, but you know, when you go to Hillsville, there's the sanctuary, there's the, the wineries, and there's, then there's the nice brewery there. Giant Steps, I think, is there, um, which is quite yeah, a giant nice steps, winery. Yeah, Bystander, are they? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're related. So all, yeah, it's all the, under the same, same roof. Yeah, so I think that's a bit... A bit of a shame. Um, well, it's interesting because I met um, Phil Sexton at Giant Steps um, for a chat when I was well, right back at the start of the year. I think it would have been <clears throat> back in January, just to sort of get his whole story in, in and out of beer for, to sort of help me, me write the book back at the start of the year. And one of the things he said towards the end of the conversation was, you know, if he, I, I, he was younger or whatever, he said he'd, he'd, he'd op- open a brewery again. But also he goes, you know, give it 10, 20 years, there'll be 10 breweries in Hillsville. Mm. You know, and he was, you know, obviously part of, you know, White Rabbit opening there. And mm. so he says, you know, there'll be 10 breweries here in, in 10 or 20 years, and now there's going to be zero in, mm. in six months. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would be good for the likes of Hargraves in terms of, you know, and they're about to turn 10 as well. There's all these big anniversaries coming around, so it'd be good for Hargraves. You know, they're making amazing beers and mm. only getting better and getting more, I guess, adventurous. But, yeah, it is. It's, uh, I think there was one guy commented on the Facebook post about the story and he was just saying oh you know what am I going to do when I take the kids to Hillsville Sanctuary <laughs> <laughs> I know, to me I think I'd love to see them keep it in some capacity as an experimental brewery kind of a thing and I know this is just probably me being a dreamer and wanting to see more sort of farmhouse barrel age stuff but <laughs> it's in that zone where there's wine barrels mm. everywhere uh, it's a little you know crafty kind of place you know there's chocolate makers there's mm-hmm. wineries it's kind of the brewery is just kind of a natural fit there. Well, the brewers there have, have always done little experimental batches as well, you know, with barrel aging and sours, you yeah. know, on a very small one, two yeah, or three You occasionally keg. see them pop yeah. up every now and then. Yeah. Like I had a couple of cask stuff, um, mm-hmm. like dry hopped cask stuff, yeah. which was really nice. And yeah, I'd love to see them move into that territory. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. Right. So. Well, ultimately, you know, with both, in, in, you know, both cases, that and Matilda Bay, ultimately that is what happens when decisions are made on a spreadsheet, you hmm. know, and so it's going to be very hard to sell to the people making those decisions. Can't we just keep this as an experimental thing because Luke wants to see yeah. some barrel yeah. <laughs> we're going, yeah, yeah, but we can say 0.0002% by shutting it down. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that's, that's kind of the reverse of what's happening in the States at the moment where, you know, they're expanding. Uh, um, Goose Island is probably the, the big example mm-hmm. where they've been bought by one of the big players, but they're putting a lot of money in expanding the barrel program and getting that 
you know, crazy, um, what is it, the BCBS stout out mm-hmm. to a wider audience um, rather than bringing it in-house and, yeah. you know. But maybe that's what the maybe that's what will happen at Geelong. Maybe it's just that they figured that we can do that, but we don't need to do it in Hillsville. And yeah. so you know, the people of Hillsville and the Yarra Valley loses out from a tourism point of view. But maybe the wider beer world and you know White Rabbit benefits because they can do that stuff, but just and you know under the one roof. Well, I guess when you think of supply chains in a pretty disparate country um, like Australia, where everything's pretty spread out, it does make a lot of sense. You can mm-hmm. ship everything from yeah from one spot. Yeah, was there air on in here? I don't know if it is because I wouldn't mind if it was interesting one I well. think uh, a year into our foray into podcasting we've become a bit diva-ish because <laughs> we just stopped everything to make sure the air conditioning was on well uh, everyone was getting a sweat going that's true enough we've got a long way to go I'm not complaining it was the right move yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the fact you've got someone massaging your feet suggests that the <laughs> d- diva thing's been happening for some time someone's feet if you want to keep if you want to maintain the level of quality of podcasting <laughs> sometimes demands need to be met yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah White Rabbit um, the other one Matilda Bay I was part of the focus group before they put that brewery bar in in Port Melbourne, and the focus group was around, you know, if we were to do that, what would we do to the brand, and how would we change what we do? And the, the goal for that was always we need a home for Matilda Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't say this in the focus group, but it was pretty clear what they were doing. Um, they said, you know, hypothetically, if we were to have a home, how would it look? <laughs> and where would it be if it was in Port Melbourne? So, um, <laughs> if, and, uh, if it was in Port uh, Melbourne, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it was a bit of a I could see the move. You know, I think it's a great idea, and I, I, I thought it looked great. Mm-hmm. I never actually went there, though. Well, that's um, the first thing that I thought of when I heard it was closing. I thought, oh, that's a shame. Um, and then I thought, well, because I heard positive things about it, but then I realized the only positive things I'd heard about it was one thing from my mum. And uh, and I, I mean, let's not question her critical faculties. But And the other thing was that I'd considered going there a few times, mm. never done it. Mm. So what was my concern based on? Was it an awkward spot yeah, to get to? Yeah, it's an ordinary spot to get to. I don't like know. public transport. Exactly. I mean, it's only a 10-minute walk from a tram stop, but you need a train, tram, 10-minute walk, and on that journey you're passing many other places that are just as good, yeah. or I don't know. Oh, no, it was, it was, it was a fantastic-looking, well, it still is a fantastic-looking space, um, and they would always have some specialty beers on that would very rarely ever, ever leave the brewery. Mm. Um, which had a few conversations about going why you know you've had that moose on the loose and American brown ale they did at the start of last year that was awesome and it never went anywhere outside the brewery you know and other beers have been on you kind of think you know and I guess it was down to you know how they monitor them through the system you know within the the, the wider um, company but um, no it's it a great space and a colourful bar and you know the food was good and you know you, you were there with the brewery right next to you in the bottling line mm. or what have you um, but I guess Matilda Bay had sort of not has had a home and not had a home on and off mm. um, I guess for me the <clears throat> the first sort of question was if they're sort of not putting too much focus or not managing to sell enough of the you know the beers that us three I'd imagine really like Alpha Pay or Dog Bolt or what have you Dog Bolt is great by the way yeah. like, first time I had that I was like why isn't this not mm. the one they're pushing and Redback as well yeah. I think it's yeah. but you're thinking if, the, if there's a sort of struggle with those beers um, you know on the scale at Port Melbourne I, I don't know the details of what you know work is going on at Cascade to allow them to you know brew these smaller batches that JD talked about but um, it have to be pretty small for them I'd imagine to be able to justify keeping brewing the beers that you know the likes of us three hmm. really, really like out the range so that'll be interesting to see whether all of the beers the full range continues because I'm assuming that Cascade will now be the smallest brewery output within mm. the 
within the CUB mm. business. So. One, I guess one issue I've, I've had with the range is that, you know, Fat Yak must be making them a fortune at the moment. Everyone knows it, it's recognisable. It's one of those ones that's in every single bar yep, that but doesn't have um, a great craft range. But you it don't was at the four-year-old party I went to yesterday. Yeah, yeah. the four-year-old was... The four-year-old, no, no, she was she was making do with uh, multiple cakes. But, um, yeah. um, but you don't. There's sort of no tie-in for me on the labels that you know, Fat Yak and um, Dog Bolter and Redback are all from the same, the same stable. And I know they did that ad campaign where it was like Fat Yak also has these other friends or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like, hey guys, you know, these other brands are ours too. You should check them out if you like Fat Yak. And I just sort of think it looks. It's a weird brand. I don't know if it really ties everything in um, as well as it could. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see what the changes are. It does feel like it's, yeah, the Matilda Bay is something with a great heritage and some great beers. And maybe now that they're doing this, there'll be greater focus on, you know, on working out how to get the, the, the message out a bit clearer. You know, they've obviously got this venue that they're investing in in some way, the General Assembly down at... Um, yeah, South Wharf that you know is all Matilda Bay beers and all Matilda Bay branded, and you know, it looks you know good looking venue. And I think they're doing that elsewhere. So whether they'll become similar to kind of the James Squire brew houses, but without the brew house, yeah, I'm not too sure. So maybe that's the way they'll do it. That's kind of what I like. As much as I, I'm not a huge fan of the James Squire range, I will stop in at the brew houses if I'm going past or for like a beer. You know, the port is really good, and I know that there's going to be a unique beer in house, at least one mm-hmm. that they've brewed. Portland Pale is always pretty solid. Yeah, and it's worth definitely worth a look. And, and a few years ago, your uh, spear tackle was brewed there. That was pretty good. <laughs> My spear tackle. That was yours. I, I, think, I think I just helped out oh, okay. the day and got singed by hops exploding out the top <laughs> of the kettle. But um, you're not a brewer until you get singed by hops. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> by boiling hops. Um, yeah, and I, they, they revisited their Stowaway, the English IPA, mm. in the main James Squire range about six months ago, maybe a year ago, and that's pretty damn tasty as well, if mm. you're looking for something English and IPA-like. Um, yeah, and I kind of thought, you know, move the, if that Matilda Bay venue was in a, a much better position, then it would be a... I, I would have definitely gone there more, mm-hmm. um, and I would have really enjoyed, you know, trying the, the stuff that you see when they pull up on social media, that one-off stuff. Mm. I remember one other venue had unfiltered Redback on, and I had that and really enjoyed it. And then that made me think, I'm going to go down to the Matilda Bay place and try some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do it. But um, <laughs> it, that did like make me excited, though, at least. Redback's one of those beers that, you know, it was, it was one of the drivers in the 80s, or the late 80s, for that brand, right? That was mm-hmm. a huge beer. And I hadn't tasted it until maybe a year ago, because you don't see it anywhere. No, you don't see it anywhere. Yeah. It wins gold wherever it's entered yeah just like alpha pale but you just don't see it anywhere you see alpha maybe a bit more but mm. um yeah and if, if redback was on tap you know i'd much rather have that than a fat yak anywhere um i think it's a fantastic beer and it's it's the kind of beer when my mum visited um perth in the late 80s she came back and she was raving about this wheat beer that she'd had mm-hmm. and it was redback and you know she's not a beer drinker it's mm-hmm. that kind of it's such a good beer that it'll it'll cross those boundaries mm-hmm. um so yeah, I don't know why that's not beginning to push. Anyway, we've mentioned a few times on the show that there's a pub uh, near my work that has got a deal with them where they stock a lot of that range, uh, and they've got a permanent alpha tap and all the bottled range, and they seem to go through a lot there. So I mean, mm. you'd think just with a little push, it's getting some action there. And right now, people are keen on everything. Like people are going gangbusters for for trying different things. Um, 
it's the time I think that you would want to push Redback and Dog Bolter. Mm. I would have thought so. Not not take them away. Hey, but who are we, huh? Yeah, we just have a podcast. They're making the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In some, hang on, he's got a mic issue here. Oh, technical. Yeah, I think we're okay. A drooping, uh, a drooping mic. Small brewery news. Move away from the big players. We're drinking this Modus Operandi, who we've just talked about at the top. A um, couple of new breweries, I think they're contract brewing at the moment, um, have launched in Melbourne recently. The next beer we're drinking is coming from one of them, from yeah. Wolf in the Willows. Mm-hmm. You uh, highlighted them on your... Yeah, so just, yeah, it's one of these things that, um, now that the new website's live, trying to, <coughs> I guess, bring a lot of ideas for regular features and stuff, or things that drifted by the wayside, um, and, and new ideas, and it's actually, with there being such a, a small team involved with Crafty Pint and so many new breweries opening in Australia being a really fucking big country um, it's very hard to sort of you know to um, <laughs> not the only one having microphone issues Dave yeah. just yeah, throwing his headphones place. around the room <laughs> yeah, it, was, it um, was comical as well sorry but um, yeah it's just you know I'd love to visit or speak to everyone you mm. know before we put a story on the website but it's not necessarily feasible so we just come with this very 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 brief snapshot thing for brand new mm. breweries and brewing companies just so when someone new is out we can just go here's the basics you know and here's where you can get their beer so mm. yeah I, I, their beer was on at the tap house when the modus operandi takeover was on unfortunately I sampled it after I'd had a sort of one and a half tasting paddles of modus operandi <laughs> beers so quite where the palate was after the several IPAs and saisons but um, no, it seemed it seemed a really nice fruity and balanced beer and mm. there's a lot of people excited about it mm. branding's um, really good as well a bit, really clean, a, bit, a bit like what you're seeing out of the UK a lot of mm. the sort of newer UK breweries going for that quite sort of stark and clean look a bit like Exit um, yep. so yeah and yeah I'm the only one who's had that beer so far. I really like it. The yeah, really yeah, extra yeah. parallel. It's um, clean and dry. Uh, just what I want in a parallel. Mm. Yeah. The other one was I can't remember what it's called. Dilettante. What is that word? I'll tell you what it is. It's a great name, I think, because the meaning of it is, if I'm not mistaken, an artisan who claims no expertise in his field. Ah. So I think that is a good name. Yeah. He he's gone with the flamingo. Uh, as his logo I think because his avatar on Twitter was a flamingo and he said hey what should I you know I'm wondering about my branding and I, I replied and you said just use a flamingo yeah. like, who's using a flamingo it's quite a good label <laughs> so you're claiming uh, sole responsibility for that not design? claiming sole responsibility okay. I also should say Wolf, Wolf of the Willows uh, emailed Scott emailed and said hey are you you know what do you think of branding and how should we approach it and I gave him so I think you know, hey, I've had a, a finger both these parts. And then all of a sudden... And Matilda Bay. And Matilda know. Bay, which yeah. failed. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, that's the, that's an, the another one popped up, Brookamy. Have you seen those guys appear? Where did I see that? I saw the name. must have been a mention of... They were throwing a keg on at the Ale House project. So I and they were also... Uh, I think they were at um, Grape and Grain last night with the okay. brewery in-house for a bit of a tasting. Yeah. So um, I think they just had like a... I think it was called an easy ale, sort of a lowish ABV okay. ale. I'm speaking, I don't know anything about it. I don't know why yeah, I jumped into the deep end here. Yeah. It's so hard to keep up. Um, you know, th- three of us yeah. who pretty much spend most Relatively of our... Relatively involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, there's all these brands, and this is just in Melbourne. Yeah. In well, the head, head, the head brewer at um, Cavalier, she's releasing her first um, beer next week. It might just be a single keg thing, I'm not sure, but um, she's got a hemp ale coming out. Ah, yeah. Which funny, and then the Band of Brewers up in Queensland, which is I think is sort of Newstead and Fortitude or whatever, they've just released a hemp ale this week as well. So mm. people obviously are trying to test, the test the legality yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of hemp in this country. Um, I've, I've actually had a couple of hemp ales, and all of them have been hideous so far. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah. uh, they can step up the game. I think I had a hemp energy drink once uh, yeah. as a sample when I worked in a bar, and it was awful. Um, anyway, uh, so that's just three Melbourne 
breweries uh, or, or brew brands currently at the moment that have launched. Um, we asked a couple of weeks ago for people interstate, if you know of other things. Yeah, it's a good time now. Did you want to run through the interstate news that we received? We didn't get any. We didn't get any. No. So well, someone please there was, give there us that. Black Hops Brewing have just have had a beer out up in Queensland. I've, they've sent us through some answers to the Who Brews thing. So they, their, oh, first, nice. their first beer that went on tap was an eggnog stout, I believe. Um, but they're up in... That's quite an introductory beer, isn't it? With no, no egg and no nog in it, apparently. Okay. Um, but they're up oh, in... I was really hoping for the nog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're, they're up on, I think, on the Sunshine Coast. Um, yeah. And there's actually a few craft beer venues are opening up that way as well, mm. um, which I sort of need to keep an eye on. But yeah, it's, it is interesting how, certainly like Queensland's become... No, That's seriously exciting yeah, up yeah. there, gathering and some momentum up there. Yeah, so we, we really want to hear what you think of these new breweries or recommend us some, some things that we're not seeing because we don't want to be just Melbourne. We haven't heard from Kuala Lumpur yet. No, okay. listeners. We know you're listening. There's a couple there. We want to hear some news. Oh, I think we got some, um, I got some Russian IP addresses Did the other you? day on our, on our thing. So if you're in Russia, look, we will take any recommendations, any, any new stuff that you know of, we'll, we'll happily shout it out on air. Any other news? I think it was mainly those uh, the yeah. Georgia Bay and White Rabbit. All right, well, let's um, we have a little bit of a break. short break and we'll come back and chat to James about all things Crafty Pint and everything else that you're involved in. Sounds good. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we've just poured ourselves our second beer, and it's the Wolf of the Willows, as we mentioned earlier. What do you guys think of it? I've had it a couple of times. I really like it. Nice and clean, dry, yeah. fruity pale ale. Very fruity, very yeah. aromatic, and like, so yeah, dry. Mm. It's got a um, finish. passion fruit. Like To me, it's just big passion fruit, and yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, like I'm it. a fan. I reckon it's a pretty strong start. But the oh, $8 for 500ml... Uh, yeah, that was a slow bean price, I think. Which is, that's pretty good value. I think it value. might be 50 cents less at Grape and Grain as well. So, wow. It's um, good value. That's it, yeah. It's um, a good fridge beer. Yeah, nice, nice work, guys. So, let's talk to James about Crafty Pine and everything he's been up to this year. It's probably been, it's been a pretty insane year when I was looking back on things that, that you've <laughs> done over the year. You've released a book. Yeah. Uh, you're wearing your Craft Beer Rising t-shirt. Yeah. Um, good Beer Week. Yep. Relaunched your site. Mm-hmm. And what else? Have I missed anything? Uh, well, outside the beer world, <laughs> family-wise, it's been an absolute shocker. We worked out yesterday, we reckon we probably had at least 50 hospital or doctor's appointments this year between me, my wife, and my daughter. So that's yes. added to the uh, the madness. But no, it's, it's been fun, because in many ways, when we're sort of at home, it's like, oh, this is just, you know, I can't wait for this year to be over. And then you kind of look at the beer side of things and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> done quite a few things um, but I think especially the, the start of the year when originally I was going to come on here um, then when I had the spinal issue and you know couldn't move for a couple of, couple of months or six or seven weeks and I guess that was when Craft Beer Rising was being launched and that was when I was writing the book and I was you know spaced out on Tramadol and Stronger and so maybe that's why you sort of <laughs> it's easy to forget a lot of the stuff that's happened but um yeah, I remember maybe two or three years ago getting to the end of a year and thinking, God, you know, I've done quite a few, you know, I've made a beer with Murray's and thinking, what am I going to do next year? And then each year other things come along. And I almost wouldn't mind if maybe no more things come along. But then, <laughs> but then I've sort of chatting the other day and sort of thinking, we were chatting before we came on air, but sort of 
you know, I kind of don't want the craft beer world to get sort of flat and it's growing and it's in the mainstream now and all, there's all these great things and new breweries coming along, but you kind of feel that you almost need to, you know, a bit like in Annie Hall where he talks about a relationship, like a shark needs to keep moving otherwise it'll <laughs> die. You know, you need to keep moving forward. You, you can't sort of go, okay, we've got a great festival and we've got, you know, all these breweries. It's like, what else can you do to, you know? So I had this idea that I shan't talk about, but my wife was like, no, <laughs> um, essentially. But um, I, that, but, that's but, such a tease. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but she uh, she was like, "Have you got some sort of form of slow burning ADD?" She's like, "Can't you just focus on actually trying to make some money off Crafty Pint or Good Beer Week rather than coming up with something else to add to your?" And it's like, "Oh, maybe." <laughs> but you know, it's, you, you sort of. Um, I don't know. Maybe I need someone to sort of just finish things off for me, and you just keep going. Oh, what can we? What can we chase next? But um, no, it's just been yeah. It's been a lot of lot of fun stuff has happened this year, and Craft Beer Rising will be happening again. Mm. So I just met with um, the guy who did the website last year just to get that tweaked and tidied up a bit, and and then sort of speak to people like getting some you know sort of sponsors to help keep it free and all that kind of thing. And so Craft Beer Rising um, was kind of a one day event where. The celebration of, of craft beer across the country, right? Yeah, it was all just about trying to sort of remind people to, well, I guess drink local, but more than that, sort of remember who their local brewers are, or to have a you know have venue have venues just putting all Australian craft beer on for the day and just sort of celebrating their local brewers if possible, or at least sort of Australian brewers. Um, and the idea was that you know it's not you know like with Good Beer Week, we encourage people to come up with the most sort of over the top crazy events they can. Um, it was just like just something simple, you know. If you've got a brewery, just be at the brewery pouring beers that day, you know, and just register your event and say that you're going to be here, or you know, just put all your favourite local beers on tap or whatever. And the brewers come and sit at the bar, you know, just very very simple, um, and more about just feeling, you know, good or at least having that focus on on Australian beer because you know there's amazing amazing imports coming over mm. um, and more and more coming over the whole time, and that you know adds colour to the scene and I guess it gives people benchmarking you know brewers benchmarking and even drinkers benchmarking to look at it but there's also some really amazing stuff happening locally mm. and the chances are you'll be able, you know you can get the good local stuff for a far better price often than you can get the stuff that's coming in um and i think one of the instigators for doing it was even just sort of being stood in a bar and seeing pints of beer from kiwi brewers that weren't even crazy beers you know they're from trend you know sort of cool brewers but they weren't even big beers they were five and a half six percent or whatever and they were twenty dollars or twenty one dollars yeah. a pint and it's just it's a bad look i think mm. and you know presumably once the beer has been sold by the brewery and then there's the transport cost and then there's the excise tax and then there's the cut for the importer and there's you know i can't imagine you know you don't think no one's actually gouging along the way but still it's a pretty bad look. Yeah. And if someone, you know, it, there's so many good brewers over here now, whether it's the established ones like sort of Feral or, you know, or Murray's, or newer ones like, Mount, you know, sort of, um, you know, sort of Mornington, Lasseren, but right, there's a lot of good stuff over here. You know, River, if you want a big hoppy beer, you can get some, go somewhere like Riverside, you know, and you don't have to pay $20 a pint. And mm. so that, it, that was a bit of a spark for it as well, as well as wanting to get behind local brewers, which is what all Crafty Pints all about. It's interesting, I think... Um, some brewers, breweries, sorry, are getting a bit of a free pass just because they are international. Mm-hmm. In terms of you see them getting on taps and and because they you know got a foreign name and they might have an interesting style, but the beer itself quite often is not that exciting comparative to what you can get here for half the price. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know, and the first person I spoke to, other than Nick, who writes me up in Sydney, one sort of working it out was Corey at the grain store in Newcastle um, and apart from maybe two or three special occasions a year he only serves across all 21 taps independent Australian craft beer 
and he'd had the Albion beforehand and he'd sort of you know turned that into a craft beer venue and he'd had international stuff and local stuff and he's got to the point where he was like why am I paying all this extra money for imported stuff and some of it's great but some of it isn't mm. you know it just makes more sense for me to get behind the mm. local guys and it's been a hugely successful thing for him to do mm. um, you know I'm not like I said, not in no way against imported beer coming in because there is some great stuff. You know, it's been a massive week this week, and I was like, last night, what am I going to have? My knockoff beer for the week? Oh, Tara bought me an iced out a while ago, so you know, yeah, that's not you know, <coughs> not going to take any sort of um, philosophical decision to never drink anything other than Australian beer. But I think you know, the whole idea with craft beer rising was just to sort of remind people you've got all these brewers locally or you know almost hopefully almost sort of say to venues you know remember there's some really good beer happening locally as well mm. um and hopefully just sort of make the local industry just have a bit of a buzz around it as well because mm. you know it can i think people can get so focused on the day-to-day jobs in the breweries that you wonder what's actually been done to drive the message about australian craft beer into the mainstream um and that's a bit of a separate issue but yeah <laughs> How many uh, venues or participants were there for Craft Beer Rising last year? Uh, we made 100 on the day um, because uh, I think we were at 99 and then Trev from Bendigo Beer, he was down, um, he sort of, I think he was in the the Cambrian or something in Bendigo and they had all Aussie Craft Beer and he goes, look, let's just do something, let's just do a, let's get James to 100. <laughs> so he sort of went in at opening time and said, let's do an offer on these local craft beers or whatever. Took a photo of the people in there and he said, right, we've paid the money because they, they weren't on the crafty pints. They had to pay a small registration fee. He goes, it's in. You've got 100 events. So we, we hit 100 <laughs> at sort of 12.30 on the day. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, you know, this, I know Nick's been saying there's venues already spoken to him or breweries have already spoken to him about stuff they want to do up there. And it turns out I think Shenanigans Brewing launched on Craft Beer Rising. and oh, nice. Dave's brewery tours up in Sydney. I met Dave the other night, and he's sort of got grand plans for his brewery tours, but also other stuff in the beer world. And it turns out, even though it wasn't Dave's brewery tours then, his first brewery tour that he took people on with a bus was on Craft Beer Rising. So he went, right. oh, there's all this cool stuff going really on. Is. I'll just get a bunch of people in a bus, and we'll take them around to you know five or six of the venues. And then he went, oh, I'm going to do this as a, you know, <laughs> as a job. And now he's planning to, you know, I think, take it out beyond Sydney. So if it sparks just those little things and makes, you know, and just gives a bit of a buzz locally, then that's... Is that's there any news on a second annual cricket match from the Tap House? Because I'm pretty keen to Yes, defend. it'll be happening. Um, and I need to get in the nets beforehand. I had a shocker. So. <laughs> but, the, but we won. The, brew, the Brewers yeah, won. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, I think, did and Shane O picked up man of the match, I think? Mm. No, but it was uh, Pat from uh, Royston. Oh, yeah, it? yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, that's going to happen. I, I spoke to Steve the other day, and he goes, "Yeah, we'd like to, you know, make it much more family friendly. Maybe even bring in entertainment, and you know, you know, it's tap house. There'll be probably be food trucks and a, you know, mm. a, a stage, and uh, you know." I did like the maybe. sausage and bread last time. Yeah, so. yeah. So oh, it was delicious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the big beer bashes. So it's going to be on February the twenty eighth. Um, like I haven't sort of even sort of well, I've met the guy doing the websites so that'll, that'll be sort of I get ready to relaunch. I guess start next year. We'll just minor tweaks to to that and everything, and then. Yeah, just fun and easy, and just all about getting together with mates or going and it was having a, great having a beer. Yeah, with it was really brewery. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in addition to, oh, we should say actually, speaking of spin-offs, friend of ours, Lachlan, started craft beer writing mm. on the day, which is kind of an unofficial tour that he does every now and then with some friends. I think most of the stuff he does is unofficial. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, like so that was that, his that, job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was like the hundred and first event, really. Yeah, yeah. Craft beer riding, and he started at the big beer bashes, I think, and then yep. over the day he picked up more and more people, and I think then he started losing them. Sort of yeah, yeah. I think he, he still managed to do like eleven or twelve. 
um, of, of the I venues. I think he did more day. than fifty k's with the group. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can follow him on. I can't remember the Twitter name. Actually, I'll put it in the show notes. Craft beer riding. Mm. It might just be at craft beer riding, but um, it's great when a little parody. You know, mm. he started with a little parody and it yeah. spun off into to something. And yeah. I guess it's like well, Dave like as, as unofficial as we call it, he doesn't do things by halves. So no. his math that he had planned <laughs> yeah. out was pretty pretty official. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, and he took the logo and changed it and had all these little bikes riding <laughs> around, you know, riding around <laughs> top of it and actually you know did the whole thing properly. So it was. And even when he had his bike, bike he'd even had he signage right. put on the bike yeah. as yeah. well, announcing what he was doing for the day. Yeah, yeah. Good on you, and I think those yeah little bits and pieces to get people involved and and checking out things they wouldn't normally check yeah. out are great I especially think. if things like shenanigans can have like an anniversary bash on the day or yeah. something like that so yeah. all these tours go on that's a great way yeah. to celebrate I think well you know would Darren from 250 Beers who's um, I think his, you know, his blog's growing great guns up in Brisbane and I think he actually he lives like an hour an hour or more outside of Brisbane with his wife and two young kids and yet seems to be at every single um, beer event and launch going on in Brisbane but he's been doing a um, contributing some stuff to Crafty Pie and he asked about it the other day so I'm assuming it's going ahead because last year was just a great day up in Brisbane which is fantastic you know, Brisbane has got probably the most fun scene in mm. Australia I don't know if you've been up there recently but I was there for Bruce Vegas in March and there's just I guess maybe it's young and it's exploding but there's just a lot of people who are mates and really getting behind each other and there's a lot of fun going on and you know pranking between the venues or whatever but he said it was just a great day loads of people did a lot of stuff and he's even he's sort of I guess looking to see whether there can be tours put on up there or just you know sort of making it more than just pick your event to go to let's make it a real big sort of collaborative day so hmm. it's just funny how these things grow you know sort of grow legs I guess Crafty Pint is the only thing I've actually had control over good beer week and all these other things you just have the idea and then hopefully people you know embrace them and they they sort of they become what they are let's um let's talk about the monster that is good beer week <laughs> now uh so it's what how many years? Three years? No, it'll be year five. Year five, man. Fifth. Time flies. Yeah. Um, and it is it is a bit of a monster now in terms mm. of it's an insane. It's an, that's a perfect week. word for it. It's, uh, a, it's an insane <laughs> week. Yeah. And in a good way. I in, a, in a great yeah. way. <laughs> and it's kind of um, I guess it almost takes over the the city. You know, so many venues are getting on board mm. now. Um, from you know some of the high end restaurants. Mm. You know, we sat at Vudamond, um overlooking the city. Um, I think a great thing is that I've like discovered venues in Melbourne yeah. just that have gotten involved with mm. Good Beer Week and that's the only reason why I've encountered them so yeah. that's a really positive thing for them I think I think so yeah and it, it, I like the uh, that it's kind of becoming about fitting beer into the wider you know food and entertainment landscape you know you're getting um, and I know you're, you're keen on getting bands and stuff mm. involved so it's not just I think this will be our most musical year from what I've seen nice. uh, we, we haven't sat down to go through the programme yet that will be happening next week and that's going to be so last year it was like a whole weekend Hope, hopefully this year we can refine our techniques but um, I think there's a fair bit of um, music and at some pretty um, cool places I think there may well be a gig of some sort at Luna Park, for example, like wow. there's stuff like this going on. Yeah. Which can, <laughs> when you think, you know, it's effectively a handful of people working when they can, you know, often me in my, you know, dressing gown at home <laughs> on the phone frantically to, to you know, so people, people have really got what it's all about. And I think people who've been coming again and again in terms of brewers or venues, they just go, we get it, you know, we can, this is the week where we can try and do something really out there and crazy. And, mm. and that's the way we're going to stand out, you know, and it's, you know, are you surprised how big it's grown? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> you haven't thought about it? No, you don't really have time to think. Were you think. surprised from year one to year two? I, I think at the end of each year, like when we did the first one, I was just blown away by it. it was that it, it, for, for me, and I think for a lot of people, that was the week that everyone thought there's something happening in Australia. Mm. I, you know, I hope it doesn't sound sort of you know arrogant saying that, given I was involved in getting it off the ground. But there was such a buzz around those sort of the key events. Often it was like a moving feast, and it was you know the Eastie Boys were at all the events, and James Watt was there, and yada yada yada. But there was a huge buzz, and it was like all, suddenly all these people came together, like you know you guys doing the crafty crawl dresses, pirates, mm. and hitting up 37 venues and all this kind of thing. Was all these people who were getting into craft beer but had never met suddenly came together and went, oh, and that was a thing that drove us for the second year. There was just this amazing, there was this atmosphere that was there. It's like, we've got to encapsulate that. And then we did the second year and it was like, and we were completely blown away. We never expected it to be as good as it was. And then the third year happened and that was the one where it really seemed to have brought in a whole new audience as well, you know, from the launch party at the terminus of going, where we're being stood there. I had at the same moment. 10, yeah. 10 o'clock, you know, maybe on the opening night, there'd been queues of people all night to get into Termian. Stood there looking across the bar, and there must have been a hundred people, you know, sitting in that the craft beer, which would be open all of you know six days or whatever. And I only recognised two people in the whole room, (laughs) and I was like, and up until that point, if you went to a beer event, you knew everybody there, Mm -hmm. or you knew Mm -hmm. half the people there. And I was like, who are these people? Where have they come from? So that was amazing. And then last year, yeah, just I guess there was we were into a broader range of it, you know, from Puffing Billy, like you said, to Voodamond and. All this kind of thing, but just it was. It's kind of been more recently. It's been, I think, the feedback from overseas because I've never really been to a beer week anywhere else. No one on the committee has, so you don't know what to actually judge it against. But when you have Eric Ottaway from you know the GM of Brooklyn saying it's the best beer week in the world, and then apparently speaking to you know their um, importers or you know to some sort of uh, event in New York saying you know Melbourne Good Beer Week is the best beer week in the world, so he's not just mm. saying it to us mm. and have, hearing the same stuff from Deschutes or from you know. Um, Paolo from Del Borgo was going, oh, it just seems so much bigger this year than last year when he was over in May. And I was like, oh, really? So, you know, that, that's kind of the way I'd sort of judge it now because it's just so big. It's, as a person, sort of moving around it. And I actually try and go to less and less and actually, you know, spend a bit of time at home and, you know, <laughs> say, hi, hello, wife and daughter. I'm still here. So, you know, you're not out so much, but, you know, to sort of um, hear that, I guess, is how you judge that it clearly, you know, we're going, going the right way. Mm. Um, you know, and then having obviously Gab's there as well and you know the, the noise that that makes the people that brings in it has just become this yeah just crazy week unlike anything else but I, I, in, going back to the original question I've been waffled for five <laughs> minutes I, I I don't know you never really did think about where it was going to go and even now you don't really think oh wow we've got so big you, you kind of think oh shit we've actually got to get all these things in when are we next meeting oh actually we need a new bank card you know it's just like that you're just thinking of all the things you actually have to do to run it mm. and there's never really that moment where you step back and go wow this has become huge you just think how do we actually make this better and how do we make it more you know financially viable and can we when are we next meeting with tourism victoria you know it, it, that's that's what it becomes it just becomes making it happen mm. um at some point maybe i need to you know take a year off and actually go along and enjoy it and then just go this is cool <laughs> it, it, is, it is a fun thing to enjoy um you know i've taken the week off work and great you know as you said this you meet a lot of people that you you know from social media mm-hmm. um and you know you look on social media and you say you see oh so-and-so's at this bar yeah. i'm going past i'll stop in and introduce myself and mm-hmm. you know you become firm friends um yeah. i think that's the part that i like most about it is it's just this kind of social community yeah. Side yeah, of yeah yeah um i remember 
in year one when we had a little group of beer writers that we'd meet mm-hmm. now and again. I remember in my mind it was twelve weeks that you that was planned. Oh, the there was, it was it was eleven or twelve weeks from when. Um, up, I was at Beer Lux one evening. I remember I was being stood by the you know the glass doors to go in, and inside um, Barney, who's now at Matilda Bay, um, and Miro, um, who does all manner of things in in the beer world, were having a chat with a couple of the guys from Bintani, um, those sort of pops and malt and heavy suppliers. And I think the idea was to do an event because the beer the beer awards were going to be on the Thursday, and there was no other stuff going on. So all these you know brewers were going to be in town. And the original idea was to do like the the great beer debate. And Crafty Pint was maybe four or five months old at the time, and they came out and said, oh, if we do this, will you help publicise? I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then a few nights later, for some reason, back there again, um, and it was like, why don't we make it, you know, Barney was saying, why don't we make it a whole week? And I'm like, okay, great. My mum and dad had just come out from the UK for three-week holidays, so took them off around for three weeks, came back and said, how are we going? And nothing had really happened. So by that stage, there was about eight or nine weeks left, and it was like, okay, because I had all those contacts with crafty pine it was like just hit everybody up and you know made it easy for everybody and the, like the crafty crawl idea where the idea was to go to as many participating venues and take a photo of yourself with whatever their their sort of special special uh, item was was to try and get more venues on so that you know there was a bigger spread so they didn't actually have to do an event it was just you could actually say look there's other craft beer venues out there um i don't think we ended up with 50 odd but it was it was just in a few weeks and and yeah, for, yeah, I mean, for that limited uh, preparation, it was an amazing, mm. amazing feat, really. Mm. And I think getting, um, like getting James from Brewdog out as well. Mm. Like, Brewdog is that kind of brewery that attracts that attention. Yeah. You know, um, they will be the brewery that a lot of people turn to when they get into to craft beer. Mm-hmm. And so, getting them for the first week, I think, was like, yeah. you know, this guy's a, a big deal. Yeah. And, well, well, and Phoenix, Phoenix had brought um, Steve Grossman over as well. Yeah, that from was the Sierra one, Nevada, yeah. so he was here and. The two of them did loads of events, and yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I, and I kind of know that you're trying to sort of almost cap the events to stop it growing too far. Is that right? Yeah, like I think you know it's pretty much not exactly doubled each year, but it has grown to four times the size it was um, in the first year. Um, you know, we have rejected events that don't meet our charter in previous years, but um, I think you know for various reasons, just to I guess try and sort of make sure it stays sort of tight and manageable or as manageable as it can be but also just try and sort of make sure the bars you know set as high as possible for all the events mm-hmm. that we're, we're looking to do that so you know I know we've already had a lot more submissions than we had last year mm-hmm. um, and that in itself would be you know, that's the discussion to have and, and then the challenge of saying to people sorry you've not made it um, will come along mm-hmm. but um, you know I'd rather or we'd rather sort of keep it the sort of size it is which is still pretty huge and just make sure try and make sure that every event's you know um killer mm. um so that'll be a bit of the challenge but again you know i think there's we haven't sort of been through thoroughly i'm thought you know that, that lies ahead i'm not going to get bogged down and going through 250 <laughs> events until we have to but just a lot of the names i've seen coming in are new venues again or restaurants mm. or new you know it, it's it's new people going we want to be a part of this and mm. you know we get places like sort of you know cumulus calling out beforehand going you know we've got these spaces if you'd like to use anything for good beer week yeah. and um i mean even last year with the you know the, the lunch you came to at voodamon i remember calling up them for the first time thinking okay we've got garrett oliver coming over we need to do beer versus wine because that's his sort of his his specialty if we're going to do it let's at least you know aim <laughs> aim high and, and see how we get on 
and I thought well, I'll ring up and I knew I knew from Bennett Bridge Road who'd done a beer launch there the person to ask for and I thought this is you know, never going to get anywhere and within you know, oh it's James from Goodby I'll oh, we'll put you through and, okay cool let's meet up and within you know three or four days we've been in there and it was like yep this date's free tell us what you want to do hmm. and work it out and then it was you know spectacular events so we're going to go back there for the opening Saturday lunch nice. um, and do a similar kind of thing we have worked out exactly what it's going to be um, we'll probably finalise that this week but it was you know that was just you know, it was fun but it was also an event you know where you know you were there Garrett and the, the winemaker just hit it off and hmm. you know it was just a really sort of special occasion so yeah it just, it's just funny how that's almost probably the thing that knocks you back as much as how big it's become is the doors that are, are sort of now open um, for beer because of you know the way we've done it I guess hmm. I was um, I was at a venue last night just having a couple of beers and it's a wine focused place and their beer list was just amazing mm-hmm. um, and I was just sitting there and like I had a Cantillon I had a Heimbrugier they had a house Saison brewed for them by each brewing Clever Polly's if anyone's in Melbourne mm-hmm. listening um, and it's it seems to be yeah people that are involved in food and you know like places like Vudemont and, and all that now are like okay now beer is just as exciting we need mm. to, to include that um, yeah. and I think you yeah, were definitely seeing that you know as you see Cumulus giving you a ring and, and trying to get involved it's um, it's great like that's where we want it to be right yeah yeah, oh no, for sure. You know, and I think the, the key thing is sort of getting that balance between. And I think just the feel I get from the you know the submissions I've seen coming in is that there will be an, this a really good spread again um, in terms of you know lots of music stuff or, you know as well as the the foodie stuff and um, I think you know there's some kind of quirky idea I was chatting to one of the guys from Thunder Road about that they're, they're looking to do that's you know you'd never have thought about um, you know and so yeah there's just. Yeah, it's gonna be fun, fun going, fun going through. You know, hopefully there will there will be some sort of events that we can get rid of. Otherwise, we're just gonna have to go. We can't reject any of these. You know, yeah. it's gonna end up getting even bigger again. Um, but you know, I mean, the thing is, you kind of if it does get bigger, the audience is getting bigger. You know, there's more people out there to buy tickets. But I think it's also so that the management side of things. You know, mm. if it does get, you know, who wants a program that's like the sort of. Uh, <laughs> You know, Britannica volumes one to three <laughs> carry around <laughs> some beer gigs would love that I think <laughs> um, and you're all volunteers is that right on the good beer and, uh, mostly no there's uh, we well uh, so there's two of us Kate and I um, are now on a sort of uh, monthly retainer yep um, I think if you look at what we get com- in comparison to, you know, with me being festival director and Kate being sponsorship general manager, marketing manager, whatever, at other festivals, it's laughable and yeah. not in a good way. <laughs> um, but that's that's been in place for the best part of a year, I think. Yeah. And then um, Chef, who does our is our event manager, when she's involved, you know, you know I guess there's times of the year that where she's available, then she gets paid. I mean, it's no one would do it like no no one in their right mind looking in from outside who doesn't understand what we've created would ever do it you know what I mean it Mm. it doesn't make any sense for us to have kept going this long it doesn't make any sense for us to have kept it going when you look at it on a sort of hours going in reward we actually get out Mm. financial benefit it's insane um, but then you can look at it and go, but this thing is, you know, huge, and surely one day all those things will <laughs> balance <laughs> out, or if not, you know, we'll. It's been a lot of fun along we'll the way, signaled. at least, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, no, so yeah, it's so there's, we're not all volunteers at this stage. Um, we do sort of rely on, um, you know, we make every cent that comes in go a long way, essentially. Um, 
but yeah, we're we're sort of getting there and trying to get it, you know, more running, sort of like a business, I guess. Mm. Um, but the main thing, it, it is driven, you know, by passion and by what we see. I mean, it's it's half of my life running it. You know, you mm. can't, you know, have a young family and try to run other businesses on half your life without, you know, trying to make some mm. sort of you know business sense out of it. So. I don't, I don't think anyone's begrudging uh, you making money out <laughs> the amount of work making gone money into is a bit strong <laughs> okay. so, uh, getting some money back yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's, it's yeah and the thing is that's not what I am you know I remember mm. I'm not someone who has an ounce of sort of business now in their body so that's probably you know foolish having me so heavily involved in it <laughs> but you know yeah um now, off mic, we asked if there could be any sneak peeks of Good Beer Week 2015. What, what can you uh, can you reveal anything exciting for our listeners? Because yeah. you're sort of involved with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, we haven't been through everything. I mean, you've seen, I think, some of the um, importers have, you know, announced that they're, um, you know, they're bringing it. So we know that Jester King and Victory are coming from the States and yep. Beer and Elborg will be back for a third year. Um, like I said, there's something happening at Luna Park that sounds rather exciting. And, nice. Um, I think mountain goats are getting involved in some music like some gigs as well both regionally um and within the city um we'll be back at voudemont uh our sort of annual masterclass thing we're looking to do a um it's the fifth year so looking to do a five-way collaboration there with some um pretty colorful when i was <laughs> you sort of sit and go okay you sort of throw all these ideas around then realize if you put these five particular breweries or people together you would have the most insane combination of where they're from and where they brew and what they do, you know, and all their inspirations stuff like that. So that should be that should be a lot of fun. Um, so we're meeting on that Monday to sort that out, and um, we've got some amazing brewers from Belgium coming over, um, which we're very excited about. Can't say who at this moment, but people will be really pleased. I think you know, especially with the growing interest in saisons and farmhouse beers and sours and whatever. There's mm. some pretty um, cool people coming over um, in that respect. So my ears just prick up at that you know yeah I know. i'm such a belgian nerd that i'm like <laughs> and then just disdain because he wouldn't tell you who they were. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. maybe off air i'll just start i'll just start emailing them all <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it you is it you yeah. <laughs> so that's that you know that was really that's really exciting that it's you know a lot i think a lot of the visiting brewers that come over to date have been sort of new world whether they're from you know europe or whether they're from you know new zealand or japan or whatever it's so to actually get some and we had you know, obviously frank from vines to and was here last year and that was fantastic to have him over he was really him and his marketing guy were both really funny guys and they, it was great having them so to get some other you know old old you know old world or you know traditional brewers coming mm. over um is just adds to it you know it's may not have the same appeal as having, you know, Brooklyn and Sierra Nevada to people who are new to it, but I think to brewers and to people who are a bit further down the rabbit hole, I think you know, when mm. they see that, they'll be pretty pretty excited. Well, they're, they're the kind of beers <coughs> that people are almost trying to copy now. Like, mm. you know, you taste a, a really well-made Belgian beer, like an Orville mm. or a Saison DuPont, and you think, oh, okay, this is what people are actually trying to do now. Yeah. Um, that they've, These guys have just been doing with ease for yeah. you know 100 years so yeah. I think when we uh, sampled um, the Boat Rocker Lambic that's in, bar- in barrels now the first thought was the comparison to the uh, older school ones mm. so that's the first point yeah. of reference that we have for those yeah. sort of things so well, it was like having a taste of um, La Seren's recent creek you mm. know and just thinking oh my god that's the best creek i've had that isn't belgian you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you, so, you do you go okay yeah. how does this compare yeah. to rose to gambrinus or whatever you yeah. go okay yep it's got this it's got that yeah. maybe it doesn't have that um 
and it's, it's exciting to yeah well we, i'm having a conversation with matt from boat rocker because he's one of the committee members for good beer week um and this was maybe two years ago and going you know, who would we like to come over and it's like you know if the big names come over great you know as in sort of the, the big you know the bigger names the, the sort of the real um whether it's you know dogfish head or stone these sort of people you know but you know are, are we more about actually trying to sort of bring people over and tell the story of people who are you know aren't necessarily that well known who are awesome we were talking about you know do we approach um Durank or someone like that you mm. know people who only have a little bit of beer here but they're absolute gods of what they do and so you know and that was the what we felt would be the more good beer week thing to do probably because it means we make even less money because no, <laughs> no one wants to buy any tickets to go but you know it'd be, it, it's the challenge of trying to actually you know sell the story of or tell the story of good beer you know right back to its roots you know you've got miro um you know he's part of, you know he was one of the, the co-founders and he's just so loves just delving in into the history and, and you know even with the brands he's representing he, he, if he's out there you know with his rep hat on he'll happily not talk about his brands you know if it isn't appropriate and just talk about other people or the history of beer mm. and i think that's the you know a good part of the ethos to have and i remember we sort of little creatures have always been involved from the start as you know supporters of the festival um and when we had our sort of debrief to see how things had gone with our partnership this year it could have been like a five second meeting which would have been kind of like that was great let's go again next year but um uh, zoe who's their sort of sponsorship um uh, sponsorship girl she was so enthused you know from when we sort of first met her a few months before having seen having worked closely with the craft beer world for the first time or you know in that level and having run on all these educational things with their little creatures and done the beer tours she was just it's just like you know just like really got it and loved yeah. it and was going you know we love the fact that we can do these things and bring new people into beer and not even just not even just make them have little creatures beer but bring in other beers and mm. and share the love and it's like that's great you know to you know to see that the people are getting it and it's not just about you know trying to you know promote your own thing or whatever mm. you know if you can share the love you know then people i guess will will appreciate you more for it mm. so. i um it's interesting you say you know getting the brewers like Durank versus say dogfish head because when you look at it dogfish head are going to sell beers any day of the week mm-hmm. on the shelf here um but Durank, to me i i you know drink their beer over it but they sit on shelves for ages and I kind of that's I think that's why I really like good beer week because it's making sure the beers you know the stories are being told and um, you know people like Nurgana um, coming out and um, you know highlighting how good that beer is when normally it might not have mm. the same appeal um, it's really good yeah. um, the other thing you did this year was release a book mm-hmm. man you've been busy <laughs> <laughs> how how the uh, how the book go um, it- I think it's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I think you, I think you. I've been told. I think you get like you know two reports a year on how sales are going. But I've just reminded me actually, a brewery over in WA bought a stack of books and they emailed me probably ten days ago saying we've sold out. We need some more before Christmas. So thank nice. you for the reminder. I must get back to them. <laughs> but um, no, it was, it was a great opportunity. You know, great opportunity. I think when all, when the, all the stuff happened with my sort of back at the start of the year, I was like, can I actually get this done? And then it was like, well, if I don't do it, is the opportunity going to come along again? Um, and I think hopefully it's like it's a fun book it's you know it's not I've been approached since by someone else asking would I like to write a book on the history of beer in Australia I was like no books for, for a while <laughs> um, it was actually I think it was the like National Australia National Library of Australia mm. wanting to put something together but this, you know it's very much I think a pick up and sort of flick through and just trying to sort of I think Jamie from Stone and Wood put a piece up on their 
um, the Stonewood website and just said it's kind of like you're sort of this a snapshot of where we are now mm. um, and you know the history tried to be as you know as tight as it could be and you know and just trying to give people a little bit of knowledge to try and summarize I guess a lot of what I've learned in the last five or six years but in a way that you can kind of go through it without feeling scared and just sort of you know I think if it, you guys would have known pretty much every beer in there, if not all of them. Maybe one or one or two you didn't, but a lot of people so, so wouldn't have done. And you know, and even with the, the choices, there's a balance between everything had to be at least packaged once a year, but also, you know, trying to make sure that <coughs> there's a, a you know there's a good balance ones that people can find fairly mm. you know fairly easily as well. But um, I think it's um, yeah for me, I it's the kind of book I'll, I'll sort of have lying around and mm. I'll, I'll pick it up and flick through and go, mm. oh yeah, I haven't I haven't had that beer for a while, mm. and I kind of see if you're a you know, you know someone that's kind of getting into beer, or you think might like beer. It's the kind of thing you give them mm-hmm. as they, you know, go off and, yeah. and and find find what you can out of that book. Kind of a thing. It's kind of a well. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few sort of bottle shops and breweries and stuff. They've got a copy on the bar, yeah. and they look really well thumbed. And I like the fact that you know, even places that don't even like Blackman's down in, in Torquay that's only been open since the book came out. You know, they've got no beers in the book. No mention because they weren't didn't exist when the book was written. But they put one on the bar because you know, I guess for them. The, it's good for them, <coughs> I guess, to hand to someone or go. Well, this is this is what we're part of. Mm. We're, you know, this isn't just a novelty that we're down here making beer. We're part of this, you know, big and growing and fun and colourful thing. And I think the sort of the way it ended up being written and pitched is that it's kind of in keeping with what I've tried to do with Crafty Pint and I guess Good Beer Week. It's all about just trying to get more people involved or get a message out there in a way that's very palatable. You call and yourself a cheerleader, right? That the <laughs> yeah, I've said you know yeah to an, yeah extent yeah I mean it's it's cheerleading to an extent and also I was chatting to someone about it the other day and he goes oh you know it's more like you're sort of the social com- social connector for the industry as much as anything maybe more mm-hmm. than a cheerleader it's kind of the crafty pipes kind of the the social connector or the hub or whatever so maybe that's what it is it's kind of like it's where the, the craft beer world comes together online in a community or what have you um, but essentially all the things I'm trying to do you know whether it's working or not I don't know is just build that excitement and get information out there in a way that isn't scary or pretentious or mm. you know um there's an article i wrote on the website fairly recently it was a rare one you know touching upon a bit of an issue and i sent it to nick to say oh can you just read over this first before um i put it live and he, do you think it's okay and he he said something on the lines of okay, so it prods and pokes in all the right places without being a cock <laughs> and I was like, good, because I think you know. Ultimately, if you can make a point and you have a choice between being a cock or not cock, I reckon most people would go for the latter. So, um, so you know, so that's what you know. You try to sort of do things in a way that you know you can uh, sort of palatable and hopefully and bring more people yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. So, what um, what drove you to start Crafty Pint? Uh, terrible beer in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the, the, quite the opposite, I suppose. I was expecting there to be terrible beer in Australia, for having been here as a backpacker, and I only discovered sort of this was back in two thousand two thousand and one, and I only sort of discovered Cooper's writer towards the end of the trip, um, and wasn't aware of what was going on when we first moved back here, um, and then very quickly, well, pretty much the first mate. Um, made over here was Tom from Mountain Goat so that was you know for entries into the sort of the craft beer scene in Melbourne there's not many you know the guy now has a West Coast IPA with his face on the yeah. label <laughs> so I was pretty lucky to meet him early on um, it's probably two things you know being a journo and coming over thinking I'll, I'll try and you know pitch and get some work in one of the papers or whatever you know at a time when old school print media is you know is dying on its ass that was was tough and was sort of taking work wherever but also then 
meeting Tom, going to Mountain Goat, going, this is really cool. Then starting playing for their indoor cricket team and meeting someone who was repping for Prickly Moses and someone else who was at Hargraves Hill and going, oh, hang on. So there's all these breweries around and picking up a copy of the... Vami used to publish that um, you know, guide to micro you know, microbreweries in Victoria, whatever, and picking one of those up and going, okay, every time my wife and I go on a trip, we'll find out where the local breweries are and we'll go and check them out. And you'd go to one and go, oh, there's no brewery here. Oh, you've got a tab. What, what beer is that? Oh, we're not sure. It says this on the keg, but we think it might be something else. And you're going, oh, it says you're a brewery here, but clearly though they were just buying it in from somewhere. So all these little things probably sparked a bit of journalistic sort of interest. Um, but then it was also going online going, well, where's the website telling me where these brewers are? Where is the information? You know, and it's like, there's nothing there. And because we had no money at the time and was struggling, you know, I was still struggling to, you know, get writing work, went to sit down with uh, with Bami, you know, the local association of microbrewers and said, you know, why haven't you guys got a website? And, oh, you know, there's doing this and tried to find ways of getting some funding out of you know, local government with in partnership with Bami, but they didn't want to um, get behind it, I don't think. Um and I don't think the regional government I think the, the response came from sort of state government it was like we don't support websites we don't see the value in them or something I was like fair <laughs> enough and in the end it was a great thing because it just means it's me doing it myself and I'm not tied in with any association because you kind of see how whatever their desires are if you've got an association of very busy people trying to come together and make things happen I think it, it can take longer than maybe it should mm. um, and so that was it and so then it just sort of went to more breweries and then put it out there and I don't know if it like a good beer. We had. I don't know if I ever kind of knew where it was going to go. Although that said, it's pretty much still doing what it. I thought from the start, you know, just looking a bit different. Mm. And the you know, ultimate goal is still to have you know every good brewery and every good venue on there, which just takes time because you know there's not many of us, and it's a big country, mm. and it takes time to do it because we you know, someone from Crafty associated with Crafty will visit every venue or brewery before we put a listing up. We don't just take content and do it the easy way mm. um, so apologies to all those who are still waiting <laughs> after like a year <laughs> for their listing we'll get there in the end but um, but yes it, it was kind of there was a there was a need and I guess there was a journalistic interest in the, the you know that the truth wasn't necessarily always being told and it still isn't and that's kind of still frustrates me now um, but I think as much as anything much as it, you know I'm excited by tasting all these fantastic beers I think the thing that really keeps me excited about it is that we're part of something new. Mm. We're changing culture. Mm. We're changing that you know this, we're changing to an extent like the social nature of the country, or even beyond the country. Like globally, there's a changing you know changing attitude towards something that's quite significant, and that's that's as exciting or more exciting than drinking an awesome beer. So I've got a couple of early memories about early <laughs> crafty pints, and the first one was the first time you were at the Victorian Microbrewery Showcase. Oh yeah, do you remember that? And you sort of turned up and went. Well, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. And luckily there was that Apple store. Yeah, I, I forgot. I didn't, I didn't have a. I didn't have a screen, or I forgot to bring a screen down to actually show show the website off. So I ran across the road and ended up hiring a screen from the Mac store across the road for two days, and then had no way of powering it and was running around with. In fact, with Kate, who now runs Good Beer with me, it was the first time I met her because she was running the microbrewery showcase. And I was like, I need power. What do I do? <laughs> Here's talk about a website. I've got a bunch of beers. I've got of people that we're going to give away. No, yeah, it was. That kind of sums it up, really. <laughs> sums up the approach from day one. Is it was like my the best resource, and the way I used the website in the early days, where I was interested in finding out where these new beers were being mm. released, and then you told 
people where they were. Mm. So you jump on and find, well, this beer's here. So yeah. then we can find new venues you hadn't th- mm. heard of in the first place. And that was like a fun way to like accurately find mm. new and fun, exciting beers. Yeah. yeah. And I'm seriously trying to push with breweries like if you're going to tell me about a new beer I find out if you can tell me at least the key venues where it is and it's I guess it's getting tougher because some of them are, are so big that it doesn't matter so much or they're just too busy to do it but um, it's one thing I sort of need to you know sort of work out is how to keep people even those that sort of you know really need to be remembering that this is, this resource is there and there's a lot of very useful stuff on there because a couple of times recently I've seen people who I know have been aware of Crafty Pint for years and I've actually you know met them in person having conversations on Twitter or Facebook going oh asking a question and they're going oh I think so I'm like and I said to Nick well she goes well just jump in and link to it and it's like you know okay yeah, yeah here's the answer it was on the website four days ago or here's the answer you can do that, that in a two weeks ago. sort of way yeah, yeah well yeah. That, and, that, and that's yeah. the challenge is that I've sort of I've pulled, I've not done it because you know it feels like it, it may drift into cock territory, uh, but at the same time, it's like, well, if I've got this resource and I'm doing all this bloody work, if if some of the sort of hardcore in the beer world aren't, aren't reading it, then I need to do something about it to make people realise that you know, I don't just want to be shouting into a into a void, you mm. know. So, so after four five years now, four yeah, just turned out just turned over four years. Um, what's the uh, what's the biggest lesson you've learned along the way? Oh god, I don't have time to learn lessons. <laughs> uh, I, I, in terms of learning, I've realised you know I'm very disorganised and have, yeah, like I said, have no sort of financial slash business acumen. Um, that's probably something that I'm trying to sort out and getting someone to take over my books and just let's go. What the hell is this? <laughs> you get longer, longer emails going. What are you doing here? I don't know. That's what you're here for. Um, so there's there's that, but. Um, Aside from, if you look at all the things that have happened, because prior to this, you know, I had a job at a newspaper in the UK, did a bit of freelancing prior to that, just had a job straight out of uni with a big company, and you sort of, but when you're in that sort of thing where, you know, you have a job working for someone else, I'd often, you sort of look at big things that happen outside, or, you know, whatever, whether it's an event like Good Beer Week or whatever, you kind of go, how do those happen? How do those things happen? How do people do those things? And having then sort of had Crafty Pint and then Good Beer Week in particular, I think it comes down to people just do them. You know, that's all it yeah. is, is that yeah. people just do stuff. Like, and that's how it happens, and you keep going. Mm. And <laughs> you know, that's really all it comes down to. There's no real sort of magic answer, I don't think. You just go, oh, I had an idea. Let's make it happen. Just one comment on your level of disorganisation. Uh, when we asked Chris Scholl from Deschutes about Good Beer Week, he yeah. said it was definitely the best organised beer event in the world. There you go. It's amazing what you can, and he's the impression from, you give people. He, he's coming from ABN Bev background. Yeah, exactly. Where he was, a, yeah. I think, one of the. I think he went through a different, few different positions yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know, into, we, we, there's the, all that you know the way that sort of thing ends up being run and way, way the, you know. The, process of in place are pretty good I mean just personally I'm a shambles <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the quote for the uh, the lead personally I'm a shambles yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. episode 27 episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, should we take a short break there and come back with Have some recommendations alright um, yeah cool alright see you in a sec We're ready to go. We record. Bring it home. Are we on? Yeah, we've been recording. Oh, we're on. All right. Some of those little welcome back, everyone. Um, 
let's just crack into some recommendations. Uh, Dave, I still haven't, conf- haven't got mine straight on my so head, I'll get so mine I'll let you go right. first. Uh, hot off the heels of our last episode, I'm going to recommend the goat summer cans, summer ale cans. Because hmm. um, I went camping uh, last weekend, took a case of that. Perfect. Hmm. Sitting in beautiful weather. If you, ha- if you have a glass, great. If you don't, perfect from the can anyway. Um, what a good beer. Yeah. And festival season's coming as well. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 Nice one. Have you thought of one yet? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go for the, and it's such a hard one to pronounce, but I mentioned them earlier, the Han Brigerier, Pan Brigerier. Everyone knows I don't know if that's the about. right pronunciation at all, that's how I say it. Uh, I had their Saison yesterday, it's brewed with apple juice along the way, it doesn't pick up a huge apple juice character, but everything those guys do is pretty much mm-hmm. on point, um, and they're such a forgotten brewery, they sit on shelves like frequently mm-hmm. you'll see them on shelves at, you know like a slow beer or a really good shop that, that stocks them and no one's ever raving about them no one's talking about them and they've always just been just a solid um, to spectacular beer so that, anything those guys do that Akavit barrel aged porter that won the trophy for best porter or dark ale two years ago mm. was one of the most incredible beers I've ever had I've never seen it since over here mm. I guess maybe it was just a one-off thing so I think Akavit is it like some sort of potato based spirit or something yeah, aged, yeah. aged in barrel and I've seen they have a wheat stout or something that they had that was aged in those barrels that it's just not there was not just a patch on that that porter which mm. or imperial porter I've not seen since so they also do the the lambic style which is made with um, some native berries which is gorgeous just mm. so good so yeah like, like for me they're pretty consistently amazing mm. beers when you get them mm. so yeah buy some of the beers if you uh, can't Work out the spelling from my pronunciation. I will put a link in the show notes so you can, uh, <laughs> you can find it. What's your name, yeah. James? Um, well, on the XPA tip, um, and it's a friend that brews this beer, but I think the beer is bloody awesome. Um, is Riders Brewing, Brewing Co. I don't know if you tried any of their stuff. So it's um, Scottish guy um, Shandy, who's always Shandy he's been the Elzar yeah. down at um, at the Ale Stars in Tap House. He's been a home brewer for a long, long time, and also makes with Gus Kelly from the Kelly Brothers Cider and they've got a brewery um, it was the former Coldstream Brewery down in Moorabbin and they started brewing beers just a few months ago they're about to have their first bottles come out sort of a week or so from now so maybe by you know around that time this podcast is aired that they should be out and the first three beers will be a Golden Ale um, an XPA it's funny they did this XPA and then two brothers just down like two streets away did an XPA and now Wolf of the Wizards yeah. an XPA but um, theirs is I guess the biggest of the XP, those three XPAs it's 5.7 um, and it's just I had a another taste of it just at Shandy's house the other night actually um, which would have been probably the freshest keg in existence of the latest batch and just massively um, massively aromatic beautiful um, hop aromas and just very clean it's 5.7 but it doesn't feel that way just Mm. very clean um, very balanced Um, I mentioned to him on email yesterday I was going to be talking about it and he was like oh between you and me which I'm now putting on air (laughs) it's a beer that he's been brewing for years and and sort of you know and tweaking it is a beer that he's really really happy with and I just think a lot of people should give that a go and it'll be you know as good as any sort of hoppy yeah it's almost IPA territory I guess Mm. really but without that sort of business so yeah look out so riders Bruco XPA, which mm. should be out in That's bottles as well as keg recently. Yeah. XPA is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's you know extra pale ale. Mm. There's a few breweries doing them now, and it's that kind of yeah, slightly more hoppy, not as bitter, not as intense yeah. as a um, IPA, but it straddles that line. Yeah. You know, um, I guess feral hop hog is kind of 
would probably be called yeah. that in a in a modern you know beer name or, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really lovely beer, and you know, I'm not just saying it because <laughs> I know Shandy. <laughs> um, I had it, you know, I said I had it again. I guess he's probably tweaked a little bit since I had the first batches at the party uh, earlier in the year, but it's yeah, it's just a really you know really really good beer. So very good. Check it out. Non beer, Dave. What do you got? I've mentioned it already just before. Go camping. Go camping. Yeah. <laughs> Go camping. I was out in the How in, in uh, the Howqua Hills, just about I don't know an hour uh, east of uh, Mansfield, um, right on the river. It was beautiful. I was off the grid. Mm-hmm. No one bothering me on my phone, anything like that. Had a. You could still tweet though, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> the funny thing was um, <laughs> when I was driving, and it was like hideous dirt roads. My poor car is filthy as a result. Um, when I got back on the grid, so to speak, uh, I was expecting a flood of messages, missed calls, tweeted, nothing. Got the zip. <laughs> I, I was not missed at all. Yeah. Um, Which was probably reassuring in itself, I thought, in a way. Well, maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was beautiful weather, besides the Sunday morning. Just had a good friends, hmm. good w- beers. And was it good to be off-grid, or was it because you were in nature and sort of reconnecting with, with all a bit the, of nature yeah, as well? That. It was... It was uh, well over the three days. My phone stayed in my car. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss it. Mm. Nothing. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. I was off the grid, and there wasn't a disaster or anything like that. Mm. So it was nice. Uh, can recommend a bit of a camp now again. We're doing a three-day hike, like in New Zealand, uh, a tramp. If you're in New mm-hmm. Zealand, um, and I'm really excited to just be looking at mountains, not skyscrapers, kind of a thing, and not have to. I don't know, worry about tweeting it along the way <laughs> or mm. whatever. So good recommendation. Yeah. I'm already I'm already got my head there after you're you're talking about it. That's what a recommendation yeah. should yeah. do. People, people need to spend some time just appreciating what we're killing. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be here forever by the looks of it. Yeah. Cool. Well And I saw a weird ant. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I don't know if... Uh, well, describe the ant. Uh, I won't, but I'll show you a picture, which is good for an audio. Oh, see, I thought your phone never came out your pocket. That's true enough. <laughs> it had to for this weird ant. Yeah, this is really terrifying. His narrative is being torn down. He basically was, you know, in, in the Bunnings um, gardening <laughs> section for five minutes. Uh, yeah, in a lovely, comfortable camping chair. Yeah. How do you explain that? This is great podcast. What's the colour yeah, of yeah. that? Uh, yeah, no, that is an interesting ant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the photo for the show. It could be. Wow. It goes on and on. But also, what's that little... It's, it's like it's got the, an em- emerald, end emerald for a... abdomen. S- yeah. Slash sapphire for a butt. On the day, I, d- I mean, this is only going to uh, be relevant to a very few people, but I, I, on the day, I described it as... Um, from the Super Mario game when he puts the metal hat on mm. he pretty much turns that colour mm. yeah okay yeah. so that might help the geeks out there or, or any uh, <laughs> oh no I'm getting this wrong entomologists entomologists yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, As Tom, Tom from Mountain Goat is, is an entomologist by trade oh there you go he oh, used oh. to work for customs down at Port Melbourne and was drinking a lot of Mountain Goat beer <laughs> and his you know, his speciality at university was studying insects well, yeah. Maybe we can run that by him and yeah, get an explanation yeah. about this abomination. We'll, we'll, we'll send him yeah. we'll the photo and see if we can get some comments. Stay tuned <laughs> next week on that. <laughs> we'll bring Tom in to talk insects. Uh, <laughs> do you um, have any insects you saw over the last few weeks? I, I mean, I've seen some, but I, nothing notable. Nothing noteworthy? No, right. no. But I have been enjoying a television show, which will be my non-beer recommendation. That smooth segue right there. <laughs> um Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been on SBS here in Australia. It's on catch-up, not all of it, but a couple of episodes are up there. 
I've never heard of it, so take me through it. Uh, Andy, Adam Sandberg, the guy from Lonely Island. Uh, it's his sort of television cop sitcom show. Um, Terry Crews is in it. Um, comedian Chelsea Peretti is in it. Uh, Andy. Andy Sandberg, thank you, producer. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of one of those... Sandberg, not Sandberg. Uh, Sandberg. Sorry. <laughs> and this is a terrible recommendation. I'm all over the place. Uh, <laughs> is it funny or serious? Funny. Okay. Um, and it, it's one of those shows that you start watching and you go, oh, okay, this is pleasant. I'll watch it next week, but I'm not going to, you know, lose my mind over it. But now they're about 18 or 19 episodes into the season and the characters have sort of found their place and it's just gold. It's just comic timing is perfect. That guy's just got great comic timing. And yeah, I probably one of my favorite shows at the moment and highly recommend if you enjoy some good comedy get into it grammatical mm. errors aside that was a strong recommendation thank mm. you thank you james before the recommendation <coughs> is anyone uh, if on the sbs catch-up theme if anyone didn't see first contact this week i'd highly recommend people watch did you see first contact no i saw the social media fallout or, or right. banter but not the yeah no it was very thought-provoking um it was weird that when it finished the sbs news afterwards then focused on the six you know white australians as a you know and their journey as opposed to the really awesome people that had been sort of featured from some of the aboriginal communities but um I don't know, Nick, Nick up in, uh, who's sort of Crafty Pint, New South Wales, was watching it, and he just said, I haven't watched TV in a long time, and this is easily the best TV I've seen in years. It was mm. it was what, you know, TV can do, and it felt sort of like a real moment, uh, but it's a mo- you know, Australian TV moment, so if anyone hasn't seen that... And worth. that's still on catch-up, is it? Should be. It was three episodes, three nights in a row this week, mm. um, and just as the story is, you know, six people supposedly representing different you know parts of this white Australian culture being taken to meet... Aboriginal people in either sort of you know communities out in Arnhem Land or um, spending time in a prison um, over in WA and what have you. I only saw bits of it. My wife sort of caught the whole ox had a few meetings this week, but yeah, it was pretty um, thought provoking and kind of inspirational, especially just the way I think things that people we could learn from the Aboriginal people about you know the way they they've lived their life over here. Mm. But uh, anyway. Uh, my recommendation was going to be um, Juice Rap News. Have you seen Juice Rap News? I don't news? know what Juice Rap News is. Can't it wait doesn't, to find d- out. It doesn't yeah. sound as serious as First Contact, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's, a lot, but it's, it, it's, play, it's kind of playing a similar furrow. So it was something, I don't know where I picked it up. It was being shared on Facebook somewhere, and it's basically some Aussie um, comics, and they just... I think every I'm, I think I'm coming to it reasonably late but then again obviously not that late mm. um, I think they've had two or three series and every couple of weeks they release a new um, news show where it's all wrapped and they all play different characters and they've got a very global focus on it um, it's not just about you know Australian news but they're, they're based in Australia and I think the first one I saw was one about just in advance of the G20 and so they have like the news anchor and then they have someone turning to be Tony Abbott Scott Ludlam makes an appearance um, and in, in person and comes on and sort of describes describes uh, the way the country going into being a fascist uh, Orwellian fascist fuckfest or something which is kind of interesting <laughs> but um, but they, they sort of address also the net neutrality or whatever the big issues are and it's well produced and it's very very funny and they're about sort of five six seven minutes long um, and I think you know we're in a we're in a period where you know 
a lot of things are going very wrong in this world, and I don't want to come on here and be too serious. But I've been doing a lot of thinking about, you know, what it, what the future actually is is for us as you know, And these guys are sort of addressing a lot of these issues in a very funny way, where you can actually watch it, and they're very, very smart and they're very mm. clued up, and it's very funny. Each one's about sort of six minutes long, and the, the thing that stood out about the G twenty one is that it, you know they sort of address issues around it, and then and then the, their Tony Abbott character gets up and in um, sort of Iggy Azalea, I think it is sort of parody gives this rapt speech as if it's as if it's his opening speech at the G20 and it was so over the top because all he does in this rap is talk about local issues mm. and um complain and then sort of sing wanna buy some coal <laughs> and then he basically went and did that five days later at the G20 and I was like no way yeah. but he's actually I watched this and gone there's my speech that's perfect yeah. <laughs> um, nailed it yeah. <laughs> yeah those guys nailed it which was just like that's just terrifying that these guys have gone out there and tried to do this extreme parody and then it's actually happened so you can find them on uh, Facebook I think they were supposed to do some shows in live shows in Sydney and Melbourne that have been put off because the They've got, you know, I guess they've got too much, too many shows to produce, but they address sort of, you know, world issues mm. in a very entertaining and wrapped manner. So right. juice, I imagine juice if you uh, Google Juice Rap News, you can probably find those guys. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good one. I've never heard one. of that, yeah. and I, I'm going to get on board. Yeah. And, and they're that. Aussie, you know, and, and, and they, they've got a global audience, and they're, you know, they're fighting for, you know, I, they're, they're pretty um, extreme to the left, I guess, but they also bag extremists on the left as well you know they're, they're, they're just you know I think they're we'll get them to cover good beer week yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're just sort of you know addressing issues in a, in a fun way that hopefully doesn't you know people get thinking about things without having it sort of hammered down there but maybe mm. approach yeah. uh, a new demographic for sort of serious mm. issues people. well you know it's kind of there's always been that sort of spa- space for satire and what have you you know it, it's almost like there's very little within anywhere within the mainstream media where people are actually challenging the sort of status quo. You know, mm. the same within politics. You know, all the you know, there's very very much a status quo that hardly anyone of any sort of you know with any reach is, is challenging, and it's kind of almost you know back to comedy or whatever mm. alternative it's voices to actually put something out there. Thought, yeah. yeah, so great. That's a that's a really good one. I'm, I'm probably going to check that out today. You may you may lose a, a good you know hour or two just clicking <laughs> back through through all their uh, mm. through all their shows. Um, cool, let's wrap it up here. Uh, find us on, or where can we find you on social media, James, if people don't know already? Yeah, so we'll, I, think, I think I'm The Crafty Pint on Facebook and The Crafty Pint on Twitter, just Crafty Pint on Instagram, and then obviously craftypint.com being the website. And in terms of Good Beer Week, the program will go, we should be launched March 13, 14 at goodbeerweek.com.au, and we'll have a sort of gala showcase launch and everything again. Cool. On those dates. dates for Craft Beer Rising? Craft Beer Rising, uh, it will be on February the 28th, so we don't clash with White Night in Melbourne. Um, and I guess have the web- website ready for people to register their ideas probably early Jan. Um, and yeah, the whole idea is just keep it fun and easy and, you know get together with friends uh dave we can find you on uh, you catch me at melb dave um there's probably gonna be some new content coming up from australian mead so keep your eyes peeled yep, there over the next couple of weeks australianmead.wordpress.com or at australian mead on twitter yep uh, you can find me at all of a time on twitter um, time.com for for all your podcast and um some of my written content Send us some suggestions if you want at Twitter or you can get us an email. You can get me, Dave, at Ale of a Time. Look. Send us some news from outside Melbourne. Yeah, we'd really can. like that. 
Um, Luke send at AllTheTime.com <laughs> Make my life easier <laughs> um, You can get our producer at, at uh, oh, sorry, Emma at AllOfTheTime.com as well um, Rate us on iTunes We'd really appreciate it if you're listening Give us a rating it. and a uh, review would be nice We'll take a three If, you, if you're going to give us a three, fine. three's good That's above, a, that's above half Just give us something pass. Um, <laughs> just give us something <laughs> please uh, big thanks to Toe Hider again for the uh, music throughout the show we're very appreciative of that yep I think we're done great we'll see go. you all next week oh fortnight oh, yeah. yeah oh happy birthday all of a time yeah, yeah. Oh, I did try to bring a little woo, I did too <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone <laughs>